So as you heard, it is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, we're excited about that, uh, that it is. We're celebrating the Holy Spirit that's on the cover of your bulletin this morning, the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Wanted to let you know that uh, as Liz prayed that Pastor Jerry and about eight others from ZPC are in Uganda this morning on a summer mission trip there. Uh, We also have high schoolers and leaders. Uh, They're probably at the airport right now. Uh, departing for a mission trip to New York City. So uh, we want to continue to keep them in our prayers as we go about this morning and this week. But it is Pentecost Sunday. I want to talk a little bit about Pentecost. And and really, if you noticed, all the songs are about uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the early church. And so that's what we're about today here as well. Pentecost is one of the three major festivals that Jewish people celebrated in the Old Testament along with Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost was called the Feast of Weeks. It was uh, seven weeks, so which is a week of weeks, uh, after Passover, and it celebrated the harvest. And it's no coincidence then that the Holy Spirit came to the church on Pentecost for a couple of reasons. One, because there were so many different Jewish people gathered in Jerusalem on that day, but also because it represented a harvest of souls or a harvest of people coming to Jesus for the first time, but really the greatest influx of people into the early church on the day of Pentecost. And it's really the story of God, uh, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and the start of the Christian church. And really, and, and it's always a good reminder to remember that the, the things, especially in the first part of the book of Acts, happen right after the end of the Gospels. And so I want to give you a little homework. I'll remind you about this later. But you might read, even later today or this week, uh, Luke 23 and 24, and then Acts chapter 1 and 2. It's only four chapters. It won't take you but about five to seven minutes, my guess is. But Luke 23 and 24, the story of Easter... Luke is also the writer of Acts, and so it begins, uh, Acts 1 begins right where Luke uh, ends, and so it picks up there. So we're picking up, though, today at Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, seven weeks after Easter. So let's read God's word. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered. Because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, on this Sunday, this Pentecost Sunday, please come. Fill us here and open our eyes and our minds to understand your word and what you want us to do and to be. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when we read about Jesus in the Gospels, he had ascended to heaven 40 days after Easter. So imagine again, Pentecost Sunday is only 10 days later. Again, it's good to remind us how quickly these things happen. So only 10 days after Jesus had ascended to heaven. And the disciples were gathered in Jerusalem, it says praying daily, even in a house there. But when we left them at the crucifixion, they were afraid. Last week, Jerry talked about, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and he told this, where Jesus told the disciples to go and make disciples. Well, they haven't gone yet. He had also told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit. They needed God to go. They needed courage to go. They needed God's Spirit, and so do we today. So that's what we're going to talk about. We need to go from fear and waiting, which we do sometimes as well as they did, to listening to the Holy Spirit and acting on what he leads us to do. So let's unpack Acts chapter 2 a little bit uh, to look at what the Holy Spirit was doing. So they're gathered in a house, they're praying, and then suddenly a rushing wind blows through. It says even a violent rushing wind, which the Holy Spirit is often described like a wind, a wind that blows where it wants, and it landed on the disciples' heads It says, as tongues of fire. Now, it says there were people living here. There were people gathered here for Pentecost, for the celebration in Jerusalem. And they heard the disciples speaking in their own languages. So it was a a miracle. But it was a wild scene. And so for many of them, they're, they're confused. They're wondering what's going on. It doesn't make sense. Or maybe they're hearing someone talk, but it's in their own language. They don't think this person speaks their language. It's a confusing scene. So Peter stands up, filled with the Holy Spirit, in front of a crowd, maybe even at the steps to the temple. And there are a lot of people there. We see at the end of Acts chapter 2, we're not going to read that far, it's a long chapter, that 3,000 people were baptized into Christian faith on that day. 
So Peter begins his speech. We read a little bit of that. If I were to read all of it, it would take the whole sermon, which might be, you might be uh, glad about. But I would like to also talk about uh, the meaning of the Holy Spirit as well. In the first part of his speech, which Peter uh, spoke, he said that the prophet Joel one day had said that God would pour out his spirit on all the people. And he said, that day is today. And that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who calls on Jesus, will be saved. And so this is going to be a very good day. So the Holy Spirit comes, it moves in the disciples, it moves in the people. And many people come to Christ through the Holy Spirit and through Peter's speech, given with the courage of the Holy Spirit that day. So what about the Holy Spirit? Well, God is three in one. God is Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is often the forgotten one, the mysterious one. We, we don't preach about, we don't talk that much about. We sang a lot about today, and sometimes we sing about, we don't, we don't learn that much or talk that much about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take some time today to do that. It is one God in three persons, but God exists outside of our time and space constraints. And God, when you think about it, is always spirit. Really, except for the years when Jesus walked on the earth as a man, God is spirit. Do I fully understand uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's like? No, I don't. But I am glad to know about the Spirit, that God is near to me, God is near to you, and even through Acts 2, which we read here, now God is in us through the Holy Spirit. This is stated in verse 4, which we read just a moment ago, where it says the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this can be us too. When we ask Jesus into our lives, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And still we ask the Spirit to come to us to help us at different times. We'll get into that in just a minute. Was God's Spirit around in the Old Testament? Very much, yes. God's Spirit was at creation, moving across the waters with God the Father as creator. God's Spirit spoke to and spoke through the prophets all throughout the Old Testament. David prays in Psalm 139. He says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He said he can't get away from God's Spirit. God's Spirit is with him, and God's Spirit is with us. God's Spirit doesn't just exist or land uh, here in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning. God's Spirit is with you at your places of work. Uh, when you go to the doctor's office, maybe with some anxiety, uh, at your, uh, with your family, in your living room, your kitchen, wherever you go, God is with you and there in spirit. So what does this look like God's Holy Spirit being with us and so what I'd like to do for a few minutes is to look at what Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit now they teach you in the seminary they said just focus on one passage and make one point but I want to do something a little different it's a little more teaching oriented today is to look at what Jesus says so if we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2 and says we're filled with the Holy Spirit what does all this mean to us and I think the best teacher is the scripture and the best teacher is Jesus I think in the gospel of John chapters 14 through 16 so we've taken some excerpts from that which I'm going to read to you 
and we're going to talk about it. What does the Holy Spirit mean to us? So there are a few notes. They're on the inside cover of your bulletin. Um, Excuse me, they're going to be on the screens here as well. So here's the first one. In John 14, verses 15 through 18, it says the Holy Spirit is comfort and counsel. The Holy Spirit is comfort and counsel. John 14, 15 through 18, I'm going to read that now. It says this, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. God's spirit is in you, abides with you. And the word advocate here is kind of a funny word in the Greek. It's paraclete. And so scholars have translated that word paraclete for spirit in different ways. The most common probably probably are a counselor and comfort. John gives, uh, John says, and John Jesus says, he brings us counsel and comfort. The spirit is counselor, comforter, helper. Comforter makes great sense to me. Sometimes when we are hurting, when we're grieving the loss of a loved one, when we don't even know what to do or to say, we can find ourselves groaning. Recently, I officiated a funeral for a family and, and one of the family members shared with me that they found themselves as they were alone thinking about their lost loved one, that they would groan out loud. And they referred to there's several passages in the, in the New Testament that talk about when we groan, that the Holy Spirit understands us and can advocate for us and understand our groans. The Holy Spirit is comforter. N.T. Wright says the comforter, as the Spirit uh, works through others in a tragedy or a loss, He says the tragedy is still a tragedy, but God brings you comfort in it through his spirit in a mysterious and miraculous way and through others as they share God's spirit with you. So God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is comforter. The Holy Spirit is advocate or counselor. A counselor is one who gives wise advice, while an advocate can even speak on your behalf. Think about yourselves in a court of law. You need a counselor or an advocate. Imagine God giving you wisdom and helping you even to speak. You may, you may recall a situation where you didn't th- think you had the words to say, especially maybe in a spiritual conversation, or maybe when you prayed and you felt like you didn't have the words to say, but God gave you the words to say. That's God's Holy Spirit as advocate or counselor. And I think this can be really revolutionary. Because it frees us up from thinking that we have to have all the answers because we don't. Because God's spirit is with us, we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to have all the answers. We can rely on God's spirit to speak to us and in us and through us at the right time. So the paraclete is counselor, comforter, and advocate. Dale Bruner says it can also be translated as true friend true friend. He says a true friend would encourage you, but also confront you and convict you, which is another thing we'll talk about in a minute, and confront your opponents as well as advocates. This is the Holy Spirit. Second, the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds. This is just a little farther down in John 14 in verses 25 through 27, where Jesus says this, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, 
But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. And remember that Jesus is speaking to his disciples before he goes to heaven. And so we're, th- we're looking back with Jesus with his disciples. It says, the Holy Spirit will come, will teach you everything, and will remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. That's in John 14. Our friend Stan Johnson, who's a good Bible teacher, has actually written a book, a commentary on John. And in this passage, he says this about John 14. Jesus, in essence, states here, if the disciples loved him, they would keep his commands. If they kept his commands, they would be given the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was with them, they would experience the oneness of home with Jesus and the Father. If they were at home, the Spirit would teach and remind them of what Jesus had taught. If they were taught and reminded, they would know peace. If they knew peace, they would love Jesus. If they loved Jesus, they would keep his commands. And remember, before Acts 2, thinking back to Acts 1, where the disciples were waiting, in a sense, they were afraid. But after the Spirit comes now, they could sense him being with them. They were following his commands. They were waiting on the Spirit, and the Spirit comes. And now they can live and act with more confidence in the Spirit. The Spirit, Jesus says, will teach us, remind us of what Jesus said. One scholar says that this means the Spirit I like this word, will clarify, will clarify what Jesus teaches us in the Scripture. So when you read the Bible next, and I do this sometime, in fact, if this is a good way to remind you, even maybe touch the pages of your Scripture, or if you're reading it on your phone or on your computer, actually reach it. This may sound weird. Reach out and touch it and say, Holy Spirit, uh, help me to understand, clarify what you are saying to me through this word right now. It's a little prayer that you can pray. So the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us. Third, the Holy Spirit is truth and testifies. There's truth and testify in John 15, verses 26 and 27. Again, where Jesus says this is he has this long time where he talks to his disciples in these three chapters. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You are also to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. What does testify mean? Again, kind of that courtroom atmosphere. It means to give evidence or witness. In this case, it says the Spirit will speak for Jesus. Since Jesus is no longer with us in person, the Spirit will speak for Jesus. And for the disciples, It means to testify, to tell about Jesus. It says they've been with him from the beginning. So Peter tells, he basically tells Jesus a story in Acts chapter 2 in that speech with the power and the courage of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, many people believe him and turn to God. Now, Jesus does not just say that he speaks truth. He says he is the truth. And that the Spirit, this is said several times in the New Testament. We've read it here in John 14. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit is trustworthy, and we can put our faith in God's Spirit. And then because of that, we also can be his confident, confident witnesses testifying in the world. We can do that through our actions, 
through the, word, the, the ways that we do things, through the ways that we live, we can testify through our actions and through our words. And then finally, the Holy Spirit guides and convicts, convicts and guides. And this is in John 16, just a little further down, John 16, verses 7 through 13, where Jesus again says this. If I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, meaning he'll send the Spirit. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. And you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. There's that word. He will guide you into all truth. For the spirit will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So this passage says the Holy Spirit convicts us, both the disciples then and us now, of a need to change. When we need to change, when we get that nudge inside or we get that conviction that we might say, and I need to do something different. I need to change something that's going on in my life. This is the way I need to do something different. That can be the Holy Spirit convicting you. And then the Holy Spirit guides us in our decisions, especially when we ask the Spirit to come and to help us. It says here that the Holy Spirit speaks. How does God speak? I think this is a great question that we often talk about as Christians. The God speaks through his Spirit. We read in Acts chapter 2, those first few verses, that God spoke with a violent rushing wind and with tongues of fire. So, you know, I'm a pretty conservative dresser, but in honor of uh, Pentecost Sunday, I wore my red tie and my red socks. I don't know if you guys can see those. So, I said, you know, I wore my red socks. Somebody said I was stylish. It's mostly for the Holy Spirit because it's tongues of fire. God can speak big time. That's why our banners are up on each end, the red banners today, because God is spirit and comes with tongues of fire. But God also, with individuals, speaks quietly. When we read about the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, it says that God spoke in a still, small voice to Elijah. And how do we hear that voice? It says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And I will tell you, I struggle with this. You know, you might think pastors have it all together. We don't. Uh, And even as a regular guy, I struggle with this. Being distracted, sometimes getting too busy. And I know that when I get busy and distracted, I have a hard time uh, seeing if if God is saying anything to me. I'll just see my to-do list and the things that are around me, and I can kind of set God aside a little bit in my life. And so I want to encourage you with me this week to be still and to know that God is God and to believe that God can speak to you still through his scripture and through the Holy Spirit even today. This wasn't just for the time of the early church. This is for us today as well, that God will guide you through his spirit How do we know that God speaks to us? Can we confirm it? Sometimes when we have a sense that God is speaking, we're like, I'm not sure. Is that that God or is that just my own thoughts? Is that something else? I'd say here's two questions that you can ask. Is this God speaking to me through his spirit? Maybe in that still, small voice. Number one, 
Does it align with Scripture? Is what you're hearing, does it align with Scripture? Think about what you know about the Bible. Here's the things that God says in the Bible. What I'm hearing from the Spirit, does it align with Scripture? And then number two, do other Christians confirm it? So I think a good thing to ask, I think I'm hearing this, God sensing this in my own spirit. And you can ask someone that you trust, a trusted Christian friend or one of us, and say, here's what I think I heard. Um, do, you think, do you think this makes sense to you? Or do you think I'm on track with this? Help me, help me process this. And those are good things today. We know that God also speaks through his word. That's why as good reformed Presbyterians, we read the scripture and we preach the scripture every single Sunday. So this morning, I was looking for a little more courage from the Holy Spirit. I got out my my phone at at the breakfast table uh, in in my kitchen this morning and I opened up an app on my phone, the YouVersion Bible app. And I touched the verse of the day. And here's the verse that came up. John 14, 26, the verse of the day on my YouVersion Bible app, which says, again, for the second time, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And to me, for me, that was God speaking to me right this morning and saying, this is the day we are to learn about the Holy Spirit and that God reminds us through the Spirit of what Jesus has taught us so that we may live it for him. Let us pray. We pray, O Lord, this morning, come Holy Spirit. We have already asked you here through song and through prayer, and we believe that where two or three are gathered or more, that you are here with us. You say in your word that, God, when we ask Jesus in our hearts, that you are with us, that you live in us, in our hearts, and we believe that today. And so, God, as Holy Spirit, we believe that you are advocate, counselor, helper, comforter. You are the one we need in our times of need. And so we pray, help us today and in our days to come with comfort and counsel. Teach and remind us. Be the truth and testify us. Convict us when we need it and guide us when we need it. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Amen.